How's it going everyone? This is Eric from Geeks Crossing. And yeah, today I'm talking about Kirby. My god, it's been a while since I've done a Kirby episode on this podcast. No joke, I think the last Kirby episode I did was back in Season 2, when I talked about Kirby right back at you. Since then, I've been meaning to get back into Kirby for a while, but I never had the time sadly. Until now. It's April 2022 as of the making of this episode, and not too long ago, the latest Kirby game has been released. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Ever since they revealed it back in September last year, I was hyped. I mean, it's an open world Kirby game, so can you blame me? In retrospect, this did feel inevitable seeing as how other big Nintendo IPs had their own share of open world games, most notably Mario, Zelda, and of course, Pokemon. So it's nice to see Kirby receive the same treatment, but the real question is, did it work? Because as we established before on this podcast, visuals aren't enough to give any form of media praise, but this is Kirby we're talking about, and more often than not, their games never disappoint, to an extent. So I figured, why not give a quick review of the latest Kirby game and see if it's worth all the hype. Fans of this podcast might recall I did a similar episode like this back in Season 2, when Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury came out. And to be honest, I kind of missed doing episodes like that. Besides, the other geeks are nearly into Kirby as much as I am. Guys, if you're listening, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, the format will pretty much be the same as any other review I do, except I'll be saving my rating for the end. Come to think of it, I don't think I gave Bowser's Fury a rating when I did that episode. Whatever, that's in the past, and this is now, said some sort of famous person. <laughs> also, spoilers for those who haven't played or beaten the game yet. Without further ado, let's dive in and talk about Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Let's start with the story. What kind of dilemma did everyone's favorite pink marshmallow get into this time? The Waddle Dees get kidnapped by a group of mammal-like beings called the Beast Pack, and are being held captive in a mysterious realm called the New World, aka the Forgotten Land. Kirby must travel to this new world and rescue the Wildies with help from Ethelin. I probably butchered that, but then again, so did everybody. An adorable rodent-like being who seems to know a lot about the Beast Pack and their motives. So yeah, the bread and butter of the Kirby stories. Kirby ends up in a strange world, befriends a new ally, that said ally has plot importance, and King Dee gets brainwashed by whatever villain Kirby faces off against this week. I'm not saying it's a bad story, it's just what you typically expect in these games. In case you're wondering who the villain is, this time, we have Leongar, again I probably butchered it, who's not only the leader of the Beast Pack, but he's actually the pawn of a much greater threat that wants to absorb all the beings in both Dreamland and the New World to become unstoppable. In this case, the true villain is Fecto Fargo, who turns out to be the evil counterpart to Ethelin. If the two of them fuse together, they become the quote-unquote ultimate life form. Shadow the Hedgehog called, he wants his title back. <laughs> Though I will say, the story definitely gets more points for having a post-game, which involves Kirby traveling back to the remains of Fargo and rescuing Leongar, who was left behind during the final battle. It turns out, Leongar isn't that bad of a guy. He was just aggravated that he and his underlings were banished to the Forgotten Land, and is more of a pussycat of anything. Pun intended, because he's a lion, which you all know is part of the cat family, if the Leo in his name didn't give away. So yeah, it's nice to see everyone get a happy ending, so to speak. And it's not too often we get a post-game story in Kirby, also, another thing I want to point out is that there is voice acting in this game. Okay, that's kind of a stretch because it's not that important. It only occurs in the final world, that being the Discoverer, via the PA messages. Still, it's one of those things you can't help but point out. Overall, the story isn't that bad. Again, your typical Kirby adventure. But what about the gameplay? As I mentioned before, 
This game brings Kirby to the open world setting, and it doesn't disappoint, bringing everything you expect from Kirby's 2D levels and involving them into a 3D environment. The gameplay itself? Come on, it's Kirby! We all know what he does. He runs around, floats in midair, collects hidden goodies, and of course, copy the abilities of whatever enemy he inhales. However, Kirby gains a new technique in this game called Mouthful Mode. This allows him to inhale large objects, and instead of swallowing them, he'll turn to the shape of that said object, such as a car, a traffic cone, a light bulb, a freaking vending machine, and so much more. And these forms are necessary to complete each level. This was honestly the main highlight for me because I had a lot of fun utilizing all these different forms. Now that I think about it, this mechanic does recon the idea that Kirby's stomach is a black hole, so he should theoretically inhale any object regardless of its size. Nonetheless, this was a fun gimmick and it helped make the game stand out. And if you're playing this game in co-op mode, Bandana D will appear and help out Kirby in each level. Makes sense because his brethren are in trouble. Obviously, he doesn't have the same abilities as Kirby, but he has a spear and he knows how to damn use it. I know I keep saying this, but Bandana D deserved to be in Smash Ultimate. He's not just some Waddle Dee with a beautiful silky blue bandana. He's a Waddle Dee with a purpose in life. There's also objectives you need to complete in each level. Some are easy to clear, while others, not so much. Damn time trials. Still, your main objective for each level is to save the Waddle that are being held captive. Usually 3 to 5 are saved in each level, with additional ones being found if you complete any of the secret objectives. Of course, you need to collect a certain number of them to unlock the boss areas and trial missions dedicated to certain copy abilities. Speaking of which, the Waddledees are then relocated to the appropriately named Waddledee Town, the game's hub world essentially. The more Waddledees you save, the more expansive the town gets. This includes, but not limited to, a cafe where you get to purchase recovery items, an item shop where you get to purchase brief enhancements, whether that be an additional health bar, or an increase in either attack or speed. A post office where you get to collect and send gifts to your friends via internet. Gotcha machines where they give you many different amiibos. <laughs> and my personal favorite, the workshop, where you get to upgrade your copy abilities using these rare stones you obtain after being those trial missions. And of course, having the right blueprints. This was another highlight for me because we never had anything like this before. Granted, we had games like Crystal Shards or Hell, even Star Allies, which involve combining abilities, but never enhancing abilities to make them stronger and more versatile than ever before. For example, level 2 for Hammer Kirby is Toy Hammer Kirby, which is self-explanatory. Level 3 for Fire Kirby is Dragon Fire Kirby, where his flames are purple and he air dashes in the shape of a dragon. And level 3 for Sword Kirby is Meta Knight Sword Kirby. Yes, Kirby wields the same sword, wears the same max that Meta Knight has, while also replicating his signature abilities. Holy crap, that's insane! You can also test out those new abilities on Mr. Sandbag, the spiritual and physical successor to once beloved and greatly abused Sandbag from the Smash Bros. series. F's in the chat for the Sandbag and Mr. Sandbag for that matter. They don't deserve all this abuse. It may not look like it, but these two have feelings outside their lifeless bodies made out of sand. I'm probably taking this analogy too far, but I don't care. Anyway, Waddle Dee Town also has fun minigames you can play in your spare time. Like Tilt and Roll, where you have to use motion controls to roll this tiny Kirby ball through a steep obstacle course, which I can't accomplish for the life of me. The Fishing Pod, where Kirby can fish up blippers at any size, and it's a hell of a lot better than Big the Cat's fishing levels from Sonic Adventure. That's right, Big. Even after 20 years, your levels still suck. And of course, the Coliseum, where you rebattle previous bosses you fought throughout the main and post-game story, including Meta Knight, who's your final opponent in the first cup. I know, this appeared in past titles, but still a lot of fun. It's also noted that this game comes with two different settings, Wild Mode and Spring Breeze Mode, which are essentially the game's hard and easy modes respectively. 
For the record, I played this game on wild mode, and I didn't find it all too difficult. Then again, I kinda played through the opening text, so I ended up picking this mode by accident. But I didn't have anything to worry about in the end. Unfortunately, with every game, there are flaws. But luckily, there weren't too many things that annoyed me. I guess one minor complaint I have is the trial missions you do in each world. They can be fun and challenging, no doubt. But when they show you the best time for each mission, it gives you that false impression that if you beat the best time, you'll get another rare collectible or something. No, you just get more coins. 50 to be more accurate. So yeah, that could be misleading. Another problem I have is the fact that there's no restart option in each level. Imagine you're someone like me who's trying to complete every objective in each level, but there's still something you missed. You have to go out of your way to exit the stage and start the whole level again. And on top of that, you have to redo the same objectives until you complete the stage. This was especially tedious during boss fights, because some bosses, if not all of them, have two of the same objectives, which involve not taking any damage or beating the boss within two minutes. I lost count of how many times I had to leave boss fights just so I can make sure I didn't take any damage or not pass the two minute mark. Then again, this may not be a flaw for some people seeing as how it does diminish the benefits of replayability. Still, I felt like this was something they could have easily avoided. However, the biggest problem I have is what happens after you save every Waddle Dee. You'd think the game would give you some sort of reward for accomplishing that. Like, I don't know, play as King Dedede, gain a new copy ability, or even a bunch of rare stones for your copy abilities. Instead, we get golden statues of Kirby and Eflin at the Wildy Town. Seriously? What kind of crap is that? Yeah, the town is fully functional, and admittedly those statues are very shiny, but it felt like I wasted my time. Honestly, it's almost as bad as when you collect every shine sprite from Super Mario Sunshine. God, I miss saying it like that. <laughs> and that's pretty much Kirby and the Forgotten Land in a nutshell. What do I think? Well, I think it's a great game. It's definitely not the best Kirby game despite how much it deviates from the games we're used to, but as a way to introduce Kirby in the open world setting, I think they did a solid job. In terms of ratings, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. It's fun, unique, and a nice breath of fresh air into the Kirby series. Yet, the execution felt off at times. Anyway, if you play Kirby in the Forgotten Land, what do you think of it? Feel free to let us know in our Discord server, and follow us on Instagram, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major listening platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you're using right now. Tell your friends and family about us, especially any Kirby fans you know. Also, if you want to watch some high-quality gameplay, head over to Twitch and check out Keith and Nick at Nuclear Bacons and CryptoLock Games respectively, and Carabyte featuring our secret FIP member Tyler, and yours truly, E-Man the Legendary. As of the making of this episode, I'm currently streaming Kingdom Hearts to celebrate its 20th anniversary. Wish me luck. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.